Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. Welcome to the FIC Focus podcast. My name is Ira Jersey. I'm the chief U.S. interest rate strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence, the research arm of Bloomberg LP. Today, we're going to be talking about the rates market and the different central banks globally. And with me today is Hugh Worthington. He's our European rate strategist. Hugh, thanks for coming back on FIC Focus. Uh, thanks for having me, Ira. Good to be on. So, so this week we had a, I would say, cacophony of uh, of central bank uh, announcements and uh, different speakers, press conferences, and the like, all of which have impacted the markets in various ways. Um, in particular, I think the the market definitely took the central banks as as broadly as dovish, with with some major moves in European rates markets. Um, and then just this morning, as we record here uh, on Friday morning at nine o'clock in the morning Eastern time. Uh, we got a very stellar payrolls number, which has uh, brought back the rates markets into um, some semblance of, uh, of volatility again, and also uh, some bear flattening of the yield curves uh, in the United States and, and just a, a general sell-off in Europe. So, so, so first, let me just say that, that the week started with the central bank speak with the Federal Reserve. Um, Jay Powell did try to convince the market that the Federal Reserve wouldn't be cutting interest rates this year. The market still doesn't believe that the Fed uh, can hold rates steady. We're still pricing for, uh, for, for some, modest, uh, some modest payroll, excuse me, some modest rate cuts later in the year. Um, and, and importantly, I, I think the, the rest of his remarks were actually modestly uh, dovish, at least more dovish than they were, um, than they were at the December meeting. And, and if you look at our model for uh, the sentiment of the Fed statements and, and for the um, post-meeting press conference, what you, uh, what, what, in fact, you did see more dovish comments and less hawkish comments, even though one of those comments uh, that was made during the uh, opening remarks and then later specified during the Q&A that Jay Powell even said that he did not expect the Federal Reserve to be cutting rates later this year. Um, nonetheless, the market rallied. We wound up extending the range in 10-year uh, in, in Treasury yields down below 3.4%. Um, and then, uh, but but after today's payroll numbers, we're now back up above 3.5%. So so a little bit of volatility in the rates market here. Um, but but uh, you know, a big. Uh, reason for some of that volatility has had been uh, the surprise out of the Bank of England. So, so Hugh, let let me st let's start there. Um, you, you know, I think even though the ECB took some action, the I think it was the Bank of England that in action that actually took the market by surprise. So, we we'll talk a little bit about that and and your expectations of what that means going forward for both the BOE and and for the gilts market in general. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very, very good point, actually. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, it all kicked off with the Bank of England. We had a double header yesterday. We had the Bank of England and the ECB uh, with rate uh, announcements. Now, the bank actually delivered um, slightly more than the market was expecting with a 50 basis point hike uh, yesterday. That was about 80% price uh, beforehand. Um, <clears throat> but I think effectively in their statement, they, they, they said it's 50 basis points and to go forward for, for, for another hike to have to happen, things would have to sort of you know, deteriorate in, in, in some regard in, the, in terms of their inflation outlook. So I think effectively they told us um, that, okay, we've done 50 basis points and we're on hold. 
which was certainly a bit of a double surprise. Now, Bloomberg Economics expects that they'll still probably do another 25 basis points in March, but then that will be the last. But I think the, the expectations of some people of, of rates in the UK going to four and a half or four point seven five percent. I mean, basically, that that does look um, you know very unlikely now. Now that was the first um, double surprise. Now the the ECB then came in about an hour later, and actually they they, they tried to deliver. I think, if anything, a bit of a hawkish um, meeting, and they came in with with a fifty basis point move, which was effectively being signalled anyway after the December ECB meeting, and then. They actually said it would probably or almost definitely be having another 50 basis point hike in March and possibly something thereafter. Although, so we had a return suddenly of forward guidance from the ECB after telling us the forward guidance wasn't around anymore. So they seem to be giving us forward guidance. But then Christine Lagarde in her in her press conference stood up and then said, um, well, uh, it's an intention to do 50 basis points in March. And then an intention isn't 100%. So she, she almost removed the forward guidance in her press conference sort of immediately. And, the, and Marcus took that very doubly. So the ECB um, delivered a uh, effectively a 50 basis point hike. And the market reacted, or the bond market in particular, sort of reacted by rallying the, uh, uh, the, the yield curve by around 20 basis points pretty much across the whole curve, almost removing half of the, of the tightening that the ECB had just, just delivered. And that, the, the fall in yields that we saw, particularly in the 10-year area yesterday in Europe, was about the biggest one-day fall that we've seen um, since, uh, well, since about 2011, actually. We've had a couple of big falls in the last year or so, but that, that, that move yesterday you know, actually you know, did exceed it. And I have to say, if, if I was you know, on the ECB's uh, governing council and, and, and you'd be saying, well, I've just delivered a 50 basis point hike, said I'm going to do 50 basis points probably again in March and then something thereafter. And then the market basically just removes half of your half of your tightening. You know, you do worry, you worry about your credibility and whether there's something else might uh, might sort of, you know, come down the track to, and, and some, some more more sense come into the markets. And we are seeing, as you say, today yields move higher again. Um, but, you know, that's being helped as much as anything else. There was a little bit of a rebound today, but as much as anything else, that's been helped by the, the, the payrolls data in America, just that. Yeah, I, I think a couple of things to, to note as well. The, the market had rallied, at least most rates market had rallied, um, you know, pretty strongly for a couple of weeks. So I think that the market was kind of, um, I wouldn't say it was quite pushing on a string, but it was definitely a little bit overbought. And so so any decent data was probably gonna, uh, going to see at least a little bit of profit taking, um, particularly since we were, you know, after uh, current month end and, and going into um, uh, going into a pretty heavy early month data period in, in a lot of jurisdictions. Um, but, but, you know, interestingly, Hugh did it, you know, that the market reaction, the market rally, how much of that can you potentially uh, be attributed to just lack of liquidity in the market and people just not willing to, um, you know, take a lot of, uh, take a lot of risk going short or, uh, you know, how much of it do you think was more fundamental? People actually saying, hey, uh, you, you know, the, if the ECB thinks that things aren't going to be as as uh, rosy as, as we thought that, you know, we, we need to be buying rates here because this might be near the peak. Well, I, I think obviously positioning is a very hard thing to, to, to gauge, but I think you're right. I think we, we've, we came into that, that yesterday's meeting with everybody expecting things to be pretty hawkish and, and certainly a 50 basis point, back to back 50 basis point hikes that we're expected in in uh, in this month and in and in March, um, but in terms of um, sort of the, maybe the fundamental aspect of it, 
I think there's a, there's a big element, particularly in the European market, that, that people believe that the ECB will capitulate, that they won't be carrying through on their um, their, their, their sort of their, their hawkish agenda, and that they, the idea that you know we're going to be getting rates, you know, those sorts of hikes that we were talking about, and then they were going to stay there for possibly a couple of years, is just not credible. Now, you know, we all say that the market is like a the bond market is like a weighing mechanism, and I just do wonder whether the market actually thinks just looks at looks at the ECB and says, listen, there's just no way you're going to be able to carry through on that. You are basically going to have to start cutting and cutting quite soon as well. So it's 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 not been priced into money markets uh, so much at the moment, but I think the bond market is, is like a as an effectively a weighing scale is 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 showing a lot of scepticism that the ECB will eventually you know have to capitulate um, and 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 start cutting. So it's a similar situation possibly. Um, that, we, that, that you're seeing in you know in the states in, in uh, happening in Europe, so yeah, there, there is. It's probably a mix of the two. I think I suspect there are. So how, how how much does the you know energy issues that are still kind of uh, you know uh, I don't want to say they're they're as acute as they they were certainly this time last year, um, or 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 became this time last year. But but how many you know how much is that still worrying people and and is that something that's affecting uh, the consumer psyche at the moment and um and and their expectations of inflation because one of the things at least here in the u.s that that i often um note is that higher energy prices and in a way higher both food and energy prices tend to be act like a tax on the consumer when it comes to thinking about the macroeconomic environment and how real growth is going to do so uh, you, you know and i know in the uk some of that is eased because of some mm -hmm. government policies but um, you know, is there is there still a worrying kind of stagflationary dynamic that that's in the market? But that that does seem with what's gone on with some of the central bank talk that maybe that's ebbing somewhat. But but at, in, at the same time, in some of the data, it doesn't seem that way. Yeah. So the the energy impact is starting actually to to move through now. Obviously, as in the UK, as in the UK is helping to keep down people's energy costs, and that's going to continue to happen throughout the year and it's happening all throughout, throughout Europe. So actually the, that base effect of, of the higher energy cost is starting to move through the system. But the, there is a concern that, that the central banks do have that now there is inflation coming through from in, a, in other uh, areas. You know, there's wage inflation definitely um, you know, going on. The guard, uh, you know, uh, she flagged that up yesterday in, in, her, in her statement. The, the Bank of England, the reason they went 50 basis points is because wage inflation is still very, in the private sector in the UK, it's running at over 7% at the moment. You know, and that is starting to feed through into things like services inflation and, and core inflation. Now, it's very interesting, actually. So we, had to, we still haven't had all the, the inflation numbers out in Europe yet. Germany is a bit of a laggard on that one. But Spain, for example, um, Spain's headline rate of inflation is falling pretty sharply. But actually, bizarrely, it, its headline rate of inflation has fallen below the core level of inflation. So you know there are there are there are other things now starting to move through in, in in terms of of why you should be worried about inflation. As I say, services inflation is is definitely a thing in, in particularly in the actually UK, but there there is a, there is signs that there is more sort of entrenched inflation sort of coming through, and, and you know central banks are going to have to be more about that. So yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying in terms of you know the 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 the, the energy thing is 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 starting to move through, but other things. Other other aspects of inflation are starting to pick up, and and, and that should be a worry for for the for the, the central banks and and the markets. Yeah, and and certainly the Federal Reserve, Jay Powell mentioned this yet again, is looking at things like services, ex shelter, 
Um, so, uh, you know, actual services and what services inflation is is doing is certainly something that's worrying. And given that that's such a large portion, about half of um, of personal consumption expenditure deflator inflation tends to come from uh, services ex shelter. Um, you know, that, that's uh, what when you get a payrolls report like we had today, where you had significant job gains in things like healthcare and leisure and hospitality, which are generally relatively low income sectors, but also saw wages increase reasonably quickly, then, uh, you, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing for the overall economy and, and probably, you know, certainly not bad for the people who are being employed in those sectors and getting paid more. Um, but from a central bank perspective, the persistence of inflation because of some of these uh, jobs numbers is, is certainly something that is going to continue to be um, to be looked at. So, so you know, there is a compositional effect of, of inflation that's probably going to go into the thinking and continue to go in the thinking of, of uh, central banks globally. Um, so, so here in the U.S., uh, you know, we do think that that rates generally are still in a bit of a range. Ten-year yields might, uh, you know, pop up toward uh, three and a quarter for a little while, with two-year yields maybe even moving um, in, in basis point terms a little bit more than that, just on the uh, expectation, especially if if the market does price out uh, interest rate cuts for 2023, which which I think ultimately, you know, data like this should uh, should, should start to do that. Um, so, so you know, near term, more tactically, the next three to six months, Hugh, where do you see the European markets going, and and uh, you know, are there any particular uh, mispricings you think out there at the moment, given um, you, you know your expectations of both policy and the economic backdrop? Yeah, well, I, th I think it's, it's, a, it's a similar story here. As, you know, I suppose you could say is it rate. Is it, I think ten years are, gonna, are in, a, in a range, and we're at the bottom of the range, or were at the bottom of the range yesterday. And I think they they can probably edge up back up to that sort of two and a half, two, two, two point six percent area quite easily. But the the obvious um, uh, misalignment is probably in the in the front end of the curves. You've got two year Schatz yield in Germany of around two and a half percent currently. You know, the ECB. I mean, even though Christine Lagarde got started to get confused about her forward guidance, you know, it looks like we are going to be getting up to, uh, you know, well north of of uh, of, of three percent um, in in Europe in terms of uh, the, the policy yields. And I really think that the, the it's it's all very well for the Bank of England to pause. I think the Bank of England actually are much more tolerant um, of inflation than places like like Europe and, and the ECB in particular. And the ECB, I think, has definitely been effectively captured by the sort of the Hanseatic League, by the sort of the German um, elements of, of the governing council. And I think the idea that they, they are going to suddenly capitulate and start cutting on a, on a, in a rel relatively short-term view, I think they're going to want to see inflation much closer uh, to that 2% target and definite signs that it's coming down before they start to do that. So you know, the idea that um, you know, we are going to be getting, you know, we, I think you're going to be looking at policy rates um, up north of three percent, you know, probably for the next couple of years, and I would suggest that you know the idea that we at this at this stage in the in in the uh, in the cycle anyway have, should have two year shaps yields around two and a half percent. That seems you know obviously uh, too low to me, and they should be probably up to, nearer towards three percent right now. Great. Well, that was Hugh Worthington. He's our European rate strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence. Hugh, thanks for coming back on Fit Focus. Thanks for having me, Ara. And now we'll turn over to our uh, introduction to rates segment with our new interest rate associate here in the U.S., Will Hoffman. Will, what do you want to learn about today? Hey, Ira. Thanks for having me, as always, on an exciting Friday morning. Um, I guess in light of the blowout jobs number that we just got, um, 
the market continues to price rates lower at the end of this year than from the peak. I believe 42 basis points of cuts are currently priced in after the FOMC meeting and now after a very strong jobs report. Um, especially after Powell's comments at the post-statement Q&A on cuts being off the table should the economy broadly follow current expectations of slowing growth and moderating inflation. In light of this jobs number, do you see the market capitulating or the Fed following the market's view? And what happens first? <laughs> yeah, so so the market, I think, it, it, we have to keep in mind, I think the market's pricing, you know, kind of a, a more of a bimodal distribution, right? So so linear markets like Fed funds futures, like overnight interest rate swaps and, 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 um, and instruments such as that, they can only price one point. Um, so, they, so they don't necessarily show you the actual distribution of expectations by the market. Um, so the way that I read this is that there is a portion of the market, like myself, who thinks that the Fed is going to remain on hold for a bulk of this year, and, and primarily in large part because the, the Fed's reaction function, I think, is to only cut interest rates at this point until uh, one of two things happens, and you need, and one of those necessary conditions is for inflation to be back toward two percent. Now, could we be at the end of this year, or, or you know, even in, in before the November meeting at 2%, possible but unlikely. So if, if you're, say, at 3% inflation, um, the, the Federal Reserve might consider cutting interest rates, but only if we're actually seeing significant job losses and um, and, and people are, are losing their jobs, or you know if you have zero uh, payroll employment gains. Um, but we're nowhere near that. I mean, and, the, and today's number in particular, I think, just shows that there's still significant demand for labor and, and that that's going to uh, probably be maintained at least for the next uh, for the foreseeable future. So, um, so, so an environment like that, it's more likely that the Federal Reserve, you know, hikes one or two more times, maybe another 50 basis points, and then um, and then stays on hold for the rest of the year. Um, I, I do think eventually the market will have to will have to price that now. But there is a whole nother segment of the market that thinks that the, we are in a recession or we're very close to a recession. And because of that, where the Federal Reserve is going to be forced to cut interest rates. And I, I think part of that stems from the market being conditioned over the last 35 years that when uh, there's significant uh, equity market volatility, when um, when you wind up seeing um, uh, you know, some slowing in, in economic growth that the Fed's going to step in and wind up cutting interest rates. And, and, and so the market's kind of priced for either no cuts or for 100 basis points of cuts by the end of the year. It's not really pricing for just 40 basis, you know, 25 or 50 basis points. So, um, so, so, so I think that that's what the market is kind of thinking and pricing right now. Um, I do think that eventually that will go away and, and that is predicated on our view of, um, of the uh, our view that we're going to have um, continued job gains throughout most of this year. And even if we do see an inventory-led recession, which is the call of Bloomberg Economics, um, that wouldn't be a reason for the Federal Reserve to necessarily need to start cutting interest rates in order to spur economic activity. Because if, if you continue to have um, employment growth, they've actually met that, um, they, they've met their mandate for full employment or, or near full employment. Um, so with that, well, we're, we're at time. So I'm going to say uh, we're going to go because there is other data at 10 a.m. Uh, that we don't know yet as of this recording, but we do have the ISM services numbers coming out. So so we're going to prep for that and uh, and wish everyone a, an excellent weekend if you're listening to this on Friday or over the weekend. And we'll be back in the near future. And we hope until you hear us again that you're well. <laughs>